Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach, and I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-Turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly, so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com, you're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at U-TurnPodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. Woof, okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, Ghostwriting, Publicity, and Copywriting House, there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Buddy, this is Ashley Stahl here, your host, and I have on the line Coot Laxon, one of my favorite people, a friend, an inspiration, and really somebody who walks the walk when it comes to being really embodying your purpose in life. He's a charismatic visionary, transformational teacher. He offers a really fresh, bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. He's born in Ghana, West Africa, and he has a really multicultural upbringing as the child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father uh, spanning four different continents. So, you know, obviously he's left no stone unturned and he was raised all over the world and he dreamed of life in America. And of course, as if by kismet, he won a green card just after finishing school in London, and he came to America alone just months later with no connections or prospects. Uh, he's the best-selling author of You Are the One. Uh, his book is really incredible. It's on my nightstand. It's something that I've been picking up lately uh, just about every night just to get inspired and to guarantee that I have a night uh, of good rest with good inspiration going through mm-hmm. my mind and my dreams. Um, Coot, I just want to welcome you, and thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here. Been yeah. excited to to rap with you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 usually feels kind of like a birthday party when I get to have friends on here with me. So Yay. this is such Yay. a treat. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. so tell me, I mean, what you you um one of my favorite things that you and I have ever talked about is just this mm. concept of embodiment, and um, I would love to learn from you. Like, what do you think is the first step for somebody to move from talking the talk to walking the walk, whether it is in their life purpose, whether it is in their confidence. Um, I know you've worked with all sorts of amazing clients, and I would love to hear how you kind of handle it and support. Yeah, I think there's, there's, many, there's many different things, but if we were just to start simply, I think one of the things that, tend, that really keeps us stuck across the board that I've seen uh, ultimately uh, are all the ways that we lie to ourselves, all mm. the ways that we basically bullshit ourselves all the ways that we don't tell ourselves the truth and so i think if someone were to begin somewhere as a very uh, basic point of starting is to really uh begin by telling oneself the truth you know mm-hmm. and because uh, i think there's so many lies that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. and we get conditioned to tell lies because we're afraid and and i think we're afraid that if i really acknowledge the truth if i really feel the truth if i really tell myself the truth if i really speak the truth if i'm really who i am then you won't love me then uh, i'll be alone then i'll be abandoned then i'll be outcast you know then i won't be loved and so we've learned for from a very young age ultimately to function and survive to suppress our feelings to suppress our truth to suppress who we really are mm. in order to get love validation and approval so i think one of the first steps is we have to be willing to to, to really uh, tell the truth to ourselves and uh you know sometimes uh you know we're afraid of the consequences and 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 so 
uh, one question to ask ourselves really is, you know, what are the lies that I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. What are the lies that I'm telling myself? And we're always in some way, shape or form, you know, maybe lying to ourselves, you know, maybe you're in a relationship and it's like, well, this is it's not so bad. I, I can make this work. He's not so bad. She's not so bad. When deep down we know perhaps it's really not aligned. I mean, how many times, I often give an analogy, how many times have you been in a relationship and maybe while you were in the relationship, you felt like, well... Is this the one? Can I make it work? Can I not make it work? But the moment you broke up with that person, you know, I think we've all had this experience. You told your your best friend, you know, I knew that wasn't going to work. Deep down, I knew. So we often have this knowing, but we often play this game, this game of confusion or this game where we keep ourselves confused in this smokescreen, this game of I don't know. So we have to be willing to give up this sort of I don't know game because I think deep down there's a part of us that knows everything. So... You know, what are the lies I'm telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And to really be honest, to ask ourselves the question, what am I pretending to not know? What are the lies that I'm telling myself costing me? Because many times uh, we, we try to deny the pain and, and, and the cost of the lies and to actually, rather than avoiding it, rather than uh, working away, social media in a way, eating away, distracting ourselves, shopping away, to actually feel, to mm. allow ourselves to embody and feel, not to minimize, not to rationalize, but to feel mm-hmm. in your heart and your body the pain of, oh my God, I'm in a relationship that is so not aligned. I'm working a job that I'm forced to compromise my heart and to feel that when we disconnect from the feeling of the cost and the pain, it kind of allows us to continue in relationships and patterns and down roads that really don't serve us. So I think it's, it's really important to feel. And so uh, to, to, to really look at the cost and then really sit with, you know, what is it that I'm most afraid will happen if if I tell the truth? Sometimes we create this negative future fantasy about all the things that will happen, might happen, but I haven't actually happened yet. And we go into the future and we sort of live the fear of what might happen in the future. We live that fear now and it hijacks our ability to be present in the moment, to feel fully in the moment, to be resourceful in the moment. And many times the thing that we're afraid of really doesn't happen and, or, or doesn't happen uh, nearly as close to, to what we make up in our minds. So to actually face it and confront uh, the thing that we're most afraid of, because many times if you can make peace with the thing that you're afraid of that you think will happen and make peace with that in the moment, uh, it can free you up. It can mm-hmm. really free you up. And mm-hmm. so uh, telling the truth, to me, truth is uh, truth is real spiritual practice. Truth will set you free. Truth is real yoga. To me, happiness and fulfillment is is, is simple. You know, we make it so complicated. Uh, it's not always easy because of our conditioning, but it, it's really simple. Feel the truth, acknowledge the truth, tell the truth, speak the truth, live the truth. Happy mm. life. And what do you think it is that I just... There's so much I could ask you. This is why we're friends. I'm just like, okay, we need to talk for a long time about this. But here's here's what I think it really gets me curious is, number one, how do how does somebody start to hear the truth? Because even though they already feel it and we both know that, Coot, I know that a lot of people might question, am I just being picky? Am I just being a fault finder? Because some people have that level of healing to do where maybe they're a fault finder and they're always finding things wrong with somebody no matter how right it could or couldn't be. Um, so number one, how does somebody start to tap into what's true? And then I also want to talk to you about how do people start to feel? Because I know that I'm a real feeler. Um, and I have so much peace in my life because of it, but actually explaining or supporting somebody through the experience of it, I would love your feedback on that too. So I'll give a, a couple of specific tips yeah. uh, and, and, and things that people can do, you know, practically, but just to back up, you know, from the, just to give a little bit of understanding also is and just paint the, the context, you know, when we're born, I think as children, uh, we're born you could say free, you know, we're in touch with our full feeling. A child cries, a child sings, a, a child will jump on a table, a child is full of love and goes and just loves you. You know, you look into a child's eyes, a child is in touch with their true essence, their authenticity. Mm-hmm. A, ch- a child, a baby is in touch with their feeling, mm-hmm. you know, but, but when we're born, 
you know, we're born being in touch with our full feeling capacity. Then we're born and we meet our parents. And our parents are kind of crazy, some of which are amazing too. <laughs> They're doing the best that they can do based on their conditioning and their upbringing, right? And so many times we're born into a certain environment, pain, trauma, hurt, abuse, you know, maybe neglect. Whatever it was, we all have our stories, big or small. And we do our best as children to ultimately function and survive. And so as children with these very sensitive nervous systems, many times the stimulus and the environment and the experiences that we have can be a little bit overwhelming. So we slowly, uh, in response to what's going on around us, we slowly start learning uh, survival strategies and mechanisms and patterns to shut down, not feel disconnect. Wow, my parents are screaming all the time too overwhelming. So we start shutting down, numbing our hearts, disconnecting, just so that suppressing our feelings just so that we don't have to feel the pain of the abuse, the pain of the fighting, the pain of the divorce, the pain of the abandonment or whatever it was that was going on around us. So we start shutting down parts of ourselves, slowly disconnecting from parts of ourselves to avoid the pain. And in doing so, we numb our hearts. In doing so, we don't have to feel the full pain, but also uh, one of the consequences is we, 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 we numb our capacity for joy. We numb our capacity, our feeling capacity as a whole, and we also numb our capacity for pleasure and joy and aliveness at the same time. Yeah. So then, we, then we also, so that's where the feeling sense that we were originally in touch with starts to become slowly, layer by layer by layer, disconnected. Yes. And then, then we start going into the world and we start doing this thing. I think we all have this pattern. It often happens unconsciously where we start going out into the world and the sense of, wow, who do I need to be? in order to mm -hmm. be loved? Who do I need to be in order to, 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 to have my father love me and be validated and fit in? And so we start slowly, again unconsciously, developing roles and masks to, to fit in, be validated, be loved. Maybe we were loud and our father said, be quiet. So we're like, oh, when I'm loud and, and outgoing, I get pain. It's pain, so I don't want to feel that pain. So, so we start contorting ourselves and our personalities into a shape and developing a mask, a role, a persona, which then gets reinforced. It becomes an identity, and we get conditioned into this, you know, into the a survival pattern where we've learned to avoid pain and develop a mask and a role to be loved. Then we start becoming conditioned. It gets reinforced. It becomes an identity. The more uh, it becomes reinforced, and that, then that's who we know our to be and we think this conditioned uh, survival pattern that we've become this person that we've become uh, in order to avoid pain and get love and approval we think that's who we are but I, I always ask people uh, the question is who you are who you really are or is it simply who you've been conditioned to be many times we we're not aware of the fact that we've been conditioned so one of the first steps too is to start becoming aware of the fact that you've been conditioned the degree to which you're conditioned is the degree to which you don't have access to the full range of your feelings the degree to which you've been conditioned is the degree to which we don't have access to really free choice we're being which making choices and being run by our conditioning from the past so we have to become aware and conscious of our own conditioning aware and conscious of our own uh, patterns and the way we've become disconnected and I think that's the first step to, to really become conscious and aware of our condition well, and that's, and then, but that's also that's tough Coot because I know that there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of pain but they act yes. like it's not there and it's yes. almost like they don't even you know it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar and I know yes. so many people um, who you know they don't see that they mm -hmm. are not feeling they don't even mm -hmm realize it and it's like mm -hmm. how to even kind of hit them with a little two by four a spiritual two yeah, by four well, well, i would say often life will hit you with the two by yes. four and often you know if you're going through a relationship and you go through the same shit over and over again or you go through the same heartbreak over or you're attracting the same person over again you're recreating certain experiences over and over again look that is a sign these experiences in your life are a sign that something is not working that something hasn't been dealt with that there is a disconnection yes. and so life will give you pain to ultimately force you to feel force you to face something mm -hmm. that is unresolved and so when these things happen, when these challenging experiences happen, you know, if you're not conscious of your own awareness, like, oh, maybe I'm conditioned, then when you go into the experiences of life and get hit with the two by four of life, which will at some point come, then it's important to then, you know, allow yourself to feel. And I think in, in our culture today, uh, we try to avoid feeling in our culture today, especially with technology. And I love technology, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think it can 
perpetuate us being desensitized and disconnected from our feeling. We distract ourselves. And so one of the things I think is important that we allow ourselves, number one, to slow down. Mm. We allow ourselves to actually take space. We get so distracted with computers and social media and, you know, uh, uh, technology and gadgets that we actually dis get disconnected even more so from ourselves, from our inner sense, from our feeling, from our body. So, number one, allow yourself to slow down, create spaces in your life. We're often afraid to create spaces in our lives because we're afraid, oh, shit, if I create space in my life, I might have to feel something. So, so yeah. we busy ourselves. So slow down and create space Num number two remove distractions at least have moments in your day moments in your life where you remove distractions so that you can listen so number three is i would say really in in those spaces take time to listen take time to actually tune in many of us we have an inkling we have a sense but because we're afraid we do sense things but because we're afraid and we're so distracted uh the moment we sense something like oh something bubbles inside of us we we try to uh distract ourselves social media away or run away from it but to actually be willing to sit and listen to our sense sit and listen to our body if you know another way is, is many times our suppressed pain and our feelings will manifest through physical pain in our bodies and and what we often try and do in our culture as well you feel this pain just take this pill get rid of it don't don't acknowledge that pain in your back or that pain in your shoulder or that pain in your body somewhere i believe that pain is a pain is a teacher pain yes. has a message and so i think mm -hmm. if we're willing to to not distract ourselves listen to our feelings our sensitivity listen to our bodies uh, there is a message there that is trying to be spoken if we're willing to pay attention. Also, you know, one way to connect to your feeling is tune into your breathing. Actually take a moment to slow down and breathe. Mm -hmm. It sounds simple, but because as children, many times we're in like this fight or flight mode of survival, our breathing gets disconnected. And when we, when we disconnect ourselves from our breath, we actually disconnect ourselves from our capacity to feel. If you look at a child, the child's belly is just full and open mm -hmm. and breathing, you know, the kind of Buddha <laughs> belly a kid has. You know, totally. They're, they're, they're in touch with life force. And so that gets cut off. So actually take a, take a moment. Sounds simple, but actually connect with your body and start breathing. You start mm -hmm. breathing, you will start feeling. You will start opening the access to your feeling capacity and sensitivity again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'd say that would be a place to, 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 be, to just begin. Mm -hmm. and, and realize that no, look, no feelings last forever. Many times we're afraid to feel because we're afraid, oh, shit, if I feel, then I'm going to get consumed by this feeling. Yeah. If I feel, then it will never end. And so we suppress it even more. And then we keep ourselves even more stuck and even more stuck. And then we get depressed because feelings upon feelings that we haven't felt build up layers. And so I think the, the quickest way through something is, is actually not to wallow in the feeling, but to feel it fully and let it go. All feelings that are felt fully... Uh, often dissolve and mm -hmm. I think I, I found in my life that whether it's pain whether it's hurt whether it's heartbreak rather than avoiding it to be willing to courageously look it does take courage to to go into it and if you're willing to go into it and feel it with total uh, awareness and openness and that might mean tears that might mean whatever it means you know it's, it's a really just feel it fully if you feel it fully you're more likely to to move through that feeling and it will dissolve because all feelings are, uh, let's just say, uh, transitory and impermanent. Mm, gosh, Coot, you are speaking so much truth. And you know what it made me think about was that this concept that truth is not something you learn. It's something you mm. recognize, right? And mm. I'm listening to you speak. And I think a lot of people who are listening, it's like realize that, have you ever, you know, you've been, you, and I'm asking everybody's listening, it's like, have you ever been in a conversation where somebody's talking and everything inside of you is like, yes, yes, yes. It's like, you're not learning the truth in that moment. You are recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that um, what that really says is that it was already in you the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I just love that. Mm -hmm. And Coot, I love what you're saying because I stopped having a coach for a while after, you know, working with Jay Abraham. A lot of people were saying, you know, do you have a coach? And I said, no, I'm going to let life be my coach for a little while. <laughs> I'm going to let life show me. And you just said it so beautifully. And so I guess, I guess, you know, the short version really is for anybody who's listening to take a look at your life. Is there a shit storm somewhere? Yes. And are you avoiding it? How are you being with it? Mm -hmm. And if you're not mm -hmm. really feeling the blow of it or you're feeling it, but you're not facing it, 
And, and so I'd love to also explore with you. So let's say that there's somebody right now going through like a huge breakup or, mm. you know, even they've lost their job. Let's go with breakup. Um, and, you know, they've made the decision to walk away. It, maybe it doesn't feel right. Maybe it does feel right. Um, but they don't want to feel it. It's a huge inconvenience. They got to get up for work tomorrow. They got to do this. They got to do that. What is your recommendation when somebody kind of pays attention, creates that space and realizes, yeah, I have some pain in my life and I'm avoiding it right now? Uh, you're talking about a, a romantic breakup in this specific instance, yes, yeah, as, a, yeah. as an example. Yeah, yeah look, break, look, ultimately breakups, can, as we all know, uh, they can be tough. If you're a human being in any kind of form, shape or form, you're going to go through a breakup, especially if you love someone and you gave all of yourself in a relationship. And I think in these moments uh, of breakup, it's easy to, to sometimes view yourself as a failure, especially when the relationship ends. But I believe that ultimately the real purpose, I think it's important if we're talking about romantic relationship, the real purpose of a relationship ultimately is for your soul's growth and evolution. Mm -hmm. You came together with that person because there were certain lessons that your souls needed to teach each other. There were certain lessons that you both needed to teach each other. And I think the, the people that you were, the person that you attracted to you in relationship in the first place is a mirror manifestation of yourself. You attract your mirror manifestation of an aspect of yourself at that particular moment in time because you were vibrating in a similar level and you attracted that person because there were certain things you needed to heal, to integrate, to own, to embrace within yourself. Mm. And so, uh, uh, so, so I would say just because you've broken up doesn't mean you're a failure. The main thing is it's about your growth and evolution. And so you come together. And so long as you're with someone and you're both growing and evolving, you can stay together. And so long as you are learning lessons, the lessons for which you both came together, you can keep growing and evolving. But I think the moment you stop growing and maybe you stop moving in a different direction or you start one person grows in a different rate, one person grows at a different pace, then it puts pressure on the relationship. And, and that's when it becomes challenging. Ultimately, the the real commitment in relationship is the commitment to each other's growth and evolution. So, so long as you're committed to that person's growth and evolution, and they're committed to your growth and uh, growth and evolution, you have a you have a uh, you have a relationship. But I believe once you learn the lessons for which your souls attracted each other into relationship in the first place, you either get to recreate your relationship with new lessons, or your relationship is complete, which might look like a breakup, but that doesn't mean it's a it's a failure. And I think we have to shift our paradigm so if you're in the midst of a breakup um, here's what I would say number one it's not a failure number two uh, take some space from your ex in order to heal your heart reflect on the lessons uh, feel your feelings fully let go uh, because sometimes it's not easy especially in that initial moment to let go and separate because we get so entangled in old ways of relating so take some space Second thing I would say is don't just jump. One of the mistakes I've seen people make is they jump back into dating someone else because they don't want to feel the pain and the grief and the mm. heartbreak. You know, so I would say if we're going to be practical, actually, I'll say don't just jump back into just dating everyone else or dating five people, or dating another person. This can be an escape and a distraction from dealing with your pain. To me, the quickest way through heartbreak is not to run away, but to feel it fully. And in feeling it fully, you will realize through the feeling that the current shape of your heart might break open, but your heart cannot break open. And just because the form of a relationship changes doesn't mean the love that you have for that person and the love that you are is gone. The love just evolves. So take time to be with yourself fully, number three, and face and feel the pain. Remember, I said all feelings remain present until fully felt. No feelings last forever. Feel it fully. That might mean go on a hike, you know, and, and cry, howl at the moon, move, dance, scream, cry, journal, whatever it takes to feel it, because then you will complete the cycle of pain and grief. But just know, just because you have one wave of grief, the grief may, will, will come in waves. You may have one wave of grief and then you'll feel okay and another wave of grief and, and you'll feel okay, then you'll feel a kind of calmness. And, and so the grief and the pain will come in waves. Allow the waves to move through, but just know you will move through and nothing's wrong. The fourth thing I'll say is surround yourself with loving and nurturing friends who can care for you. And in that moment of loneliness, in that moment of heartbreak, in that moment where you might be questioning, did I do the right thing? They can remind you of who you really are. And Beautiful. I think that's really important. The last thing I'll say uh, is 
you know, sometimes in a moment of breakup, we get so focused on ourselves and my pain and my hurt, and oh my God, and mm-hmm. we, can, we can get like self-contracted. I think is actually also important in that moment to, to not just, to, yes, do everything I said, but also take some time in the midst of your pain, because it is hard, especially when you love someone and you gave a lot, to actually find ways to be of service. In dealing with heartbreak, don't just fixate on the pain. Don't just contract in on yourself. Don't just indulge the pain, because that only keeps you stuck keeps you stuck find ways to be of loving service service which will then move your attention beyond yourself that will actually open your heart to love again mm-hmm. and trust and 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 trust and it, look it's so painful sometimes especially if you love someone but trust that in letting go of this person in letting go of this person uh, someone even more amazing, something even more amazing, a bigger love is actually waiting to show up in your life. And by creating the space, you are opening yourself to a bigger love. So uh, all forms change, you know. Wow. Uh, all forms change. Well, but, it but love, love like, can continue. And it can be the same with a job, can't it? I mean, it's the same process. You let the waves hit you. Maybe you don't just get another job right away because it probably isn't the right job for you. You haven't felt um, or learned from what you need to learn from the loss of the last one. I mean, could you say that how you're explaining this could be applied to so many different types of losses? I would I would say absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the the sequence and the process is the same because breaking up with a friend, breaking up with a job, breaking yes. up, you know, whatever, whatever. I believe that ultimately, you know, if nothing can take away, nothing that's truly yours cannot be yours, and whatever is meant to be yours will be yours. And if if something is no longer in your life, let's say a job is no longer in your life, then I'm I'm going to propose that it was no longer really in alignment with your highest good in the first place. Mm-hmm. I know so many people, so many people, some of whom are my friends, are like, oh my God, cool, I lost my job, and they're crying about the losing their job. But and I ask them, did you love your job? And I say. Hell no, I hated my job. <laughs> you're like, well, <laughs> you know? like congratulations. And, and, so, and, and so you're like, congratulations. You know, some part of you didn't really want this job, and it was just the universe's way of forcing you to move, the universe's way of forcing you to let go, the universe's way of forcing you to come into alignment. And look, it does take courage. It can be a little scary. But the way I see it, Ashley, is, shit, life is so short. You know, life is too short. That doesn't mean we don't need to take care of ourselves and pay the bills and what have you. But I believe life is so short to not go for your dreams. Life is so short. You know, when we we will all die at some moment of our lives. Me, you, Bob Marley, Bruce Lee. And I'm by, look, I'm not saying be irresponsible by any means, but the fact is none of us know when that moment's going to happen. Death will hit everybody's life at some moment. Uh, And when you meet your maker, when we meet God, whatever you believe, you can't go to God and say, God, I wasted seven years in that job that I hated. Can you give me a refund? It's gone. And so I believe that, you know, if you're working a job that you hate, number one, do not bullshit yourself about it. BSing yourself about it is a perfect way to keep yourself stuck. Actually, uh, we started this conversation by saying, tell the truth. Tell the truth to yourself about the fact that, you know what, I hate my job. It's killing me. I hate it. Don't say, well, it's okay. I'm grateful to have it. No, acknowledge that you hate your job and feel the cost of that fully because when you tell yourself the truth, then there's no more rationalizing. There's no more going back. The, 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 the burn and the fire of the truth will start, will start irritating your soul and start forcing you to move forward and make shifts. And, and, and then, then I would say, Rather than complaining about your job, once you've acknowledged that you hate your job, you acknowledge that it's no longer in line, you're telling yourself the truth, feel that, then each day, do your job where you're at with complete and utter excellence. Do the job where you're currently at with everything you've got with total excellence where you're at because that starts shifting your energy and that starts moving you into a different vibration and then make sure that each and every day even though you know you have this job that is not in alignment you're acknowledging it you're doing the best you can where you're at you are spending every waking time more so if you hate your job you're spending every waking moment focusing and taking action on moving you towards where you want to go. There's so many people, you know, actually clients, friends that say, could I hate my job. I ask them, what did you do today? 
What action did you take today to actually move keep you it, towards what you want? Keeping it real, Coot. Yeah, what action did you take today? Well, none. I howled well, at the moon. Had, <laughs> if, if, if you had time to go to the movies, if you had time to hang out with your friend Susie and Johnny, if you had time to have dinner, and if you had time to go to the concert, trust me, you don't hate your job enough. If you really hate your job, what actions did you take? So I would say make sure every day you're doing everything you can. You spend, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever it takes, so that each day you're moving towards where you want to go, not spending that time complaining about what's wrong with where you're at. Yes, and I mean, isn't it interesting that so many people, the dynamic of change is such that they need to be in so much misery that they will then jump into the fear of unknown versus why not take a look at where you're at and say, okay, this is feeling lukewarm. It feels like it might be time to make a change. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm still stuck on you suggesting in grief that you can howl at the moon or cry it out. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I haven't tried howling at the moon, Coop, but you live in L.A. too, so if, if you see some girl in Runyon Canyon howling at the moon 7 p.m. You know who created that idea. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, look, also don't suppress the feelings. Scream yeah. it out. Howl it out. Dance it I'm going to howl whatever, it out. Whatever it takes. I'm going to twerk it out. There you go. Got to twerk it out. And, you know, it's so funny also, what a visual saying that you don't get refunds. You know, I just picture somebody, you know, up in the heavens like, can I redo this? God's like, I'm not Nordstrom. You don't get your money back. It's done. You know? It's, it's over. No it's refunds. Over. Every no second of our refunds. life is so precious, Ashley. Yes. Every second of this glorious existence. The, yes. This life is a privilege. It's not a right. You know, I always say those people in 9-11 had no idea they weren't going to come home yes. that day and look their loved ones in the eyes and say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry. I really want you to know. I'm sorry. Those people in the Southeast Asian tsunamis or whatever, you know, uh, natural disasters had no idea they weren't going to come home and say, you know, I really love you. And so why, why is it that we wait until it's too late or for some special date in the future? Why is it that we wait until, you know, our loved ones are gone to, to then throw them a big funeral and, and then, you know, get them flowers and say, oh, like, do it now. If there's something you want to do, do it now. The worst that can happen is it doesn't work. Yeah. The worst that can happen is you go back. You know, the worst that can happen is you follow your dreams. It doesn't work. And you go back and get the old job that you had. And many times, if that's the case, you know, and if you're working a job that you hate and, and that's the worst that can happen, then you're actually living the worst that can happen right now. So what do you have to lose? Mm, yeah, it's so true. What do you have to lose? That's a wonderful question because I think so many people, especially, you know, I know that you coach, um, you know, real leaders, Coot, and I'm sure yes. that part of the work is really looking at what they're afraid of and actually mm -hmm. grounding it in truth. Like how mm -hmm. often are we afraid of things that we don't even examine why we're afraid? And when we look at the worst mm -hmm. case scenario, it's actually not that scary. Mm. Um, I wanted to just take it back a couple questions about grief. So, you know, you said there's there's a lot of different ways, I think, that, and both of us, you know, having come from psychology, it's like there's a lot of different ways people grieve and avoid feeling, whether it's through dating a bunch of people to distract themselves, having sex with a bunch of people, doing drugs, um, spending a lot of money. Like there's so many different habits that, and so I think that these are the common ones. What do you think are some common behaviors that show somebody is avoiding grief? Um, outside of life just kind of, you know, hitting you upside the head. Are there certain things you see often as kind of the key buckets? Mm, avoiding grief. I mean, look, we, we can go into denial, mm -hmm. you know, or, mm -hmm. or, or, or we just uh, constantly uh, distracting ourselves with some, some patterns of shopping, some patterns of social media, some patterns of just working all the time. You know, ultimately, it's a denial, it's avoidance of feeling, what, whatever it looks like, drugs, drinking, partying, you know, across the board, these are just ways of just avoiding feeling, mm -hmm. you know, just, just not allowing yourself to slow down and breathe and be. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, when you say, you know, to allow yourself, to, you know, for lack of a better term, the dignity of grief and mm. to feel the full flavor yes. of whatever yes. that is. Um, yes. What do you, I mean, there's no such thing as a reasonable time period, right? So arguably, no, look, yeah. somebody could go through something really deep, but they, if they really feel it for a week or two weeks, I mean, at what point do you look at yourself sure. in the mirror and say, I, I felt I, this, I, I'm moving forward? I, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if, if there's like a formulaic, like, okay, right. you feel it for a week and it's gone, or yeah. you feel it for a week and then, you know, I think, I think grief happens in layers, and there's layers, and there might be 
you know, a layer of grief after a heartbreak where you're having a very intense time of feeling and crying and moving through it and it's very present and, and your heart's very raw. Mm -hmm. And then after that layer gets peeled away, there's, oh, there's some more space. There's yeah. some more light that comes through it and that might be i mean who knows how that long that that might be it can depend it can depend on the particular connection you have with the person it, it can depend on the depth of emotional intensity you have with the person mm -hmm. it can depend on the amount of frequency of uh, frequency you relate with the person it can depend on the uh, emotional depth the spiritual connection the psychological connection hell i mean if you want to get spiritual it might even depend on the karmic past life yes. you had with that person because you could meet someone and barely have time with them but have this profound soul connection with yes. them and, and then you know spend a week with them and then they disappear and then feel as much grief as you spent with someone you've known for 10 years yes. so i think it depends on the emotional the frequency the depth of connection the intensity of the connection the significance the meaning the past life the all these intersect to really affect the quality and the tone and so i think it's different i think what's important is you allow yourself the grief and to feel and it will come up in waves and then there'll be more space and then there might be another wave that comes up months later mm -hmm. and so if months later you feel a wave of grief that doesn't mean that something's wrong. That doesn't mean you haven't felt it. That doesn't mean you're not moving through it. It just means there's another wave. And ultimately, you can't necessarily feel it all at one time. Mm -hmm. I think it has to happen in waves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even over the course of a year, it might take a year. It might take years, you know, to, to really fully complete something. And, and so maybe even two years from now, you might be out somewhere and feel something in your heart and, and to allow that that subtle layer to just be felt to be released you know it doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be a big wave of grief in that moment and, mm -hmm. I, and I think having a relationship with yourself and having mm -hmm. a relationship with the grief is 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 as important as the grief itself so to be able to hold yourself with compassion to be able to hold yourself with loving to be able to hold yourself and give yourself permission to feel knowing it, it, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of courage to allow yourself to feel. And any time, I remember years ago when, when I was in a relationship of four years, a big relationship, a woman I thought I was going to marry many, many years ago. And when I broke up, I remember it was literally like after that, you ask how long does it take, Ashley? We're talking about breakups. It was like a year of grieving. Mm. I mean, a year of, because it was like big love, you know, it was, but it was, it wasn't like, like crying every second of every day but I remember a period of a year I was going through waves of grief waves of tears waves of letting go but something shifted after about 11 months to a year where it was progressively lifting and I remember it was like coming out of, of a coming out of this a forest coming out of a fog it was like wow Something, something's different now. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so uh, I think grief allows you the opportunity to deepen your own, the textures of your own heart mm -hmm. and, and actually open your heart. And, uh, and I think it's, it's actually a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful flavor of the tapestry of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and... Um I, this makes me think a lot about, especially a lot of men. Um, I dated a guy who hadn't cried since he was 11 years old, and I remember thinking, what? I mean, but I guess everybody feels differently, so I'd love your feedback on, does that mean anything? Because I know there's a lot of men out there who, or even mm. women, who they're like, we don't cry, that's not for us. Yeah, I think it's just, con I think it's, you know, number one, I think more that, more so than anything, it's conditioning. I, I would say, you know, I talked about in the beginning, like when we're born, we're born in touch with our feelings and then we're born into certain environments and sometimes many of us men and women you know look there is a cultural kind of thing right stereotype well oh, yeah, boys don't cry men have to be a certain way but but if we look at it as a, as a whole you know it, it, we're born into certain environments and maybe there's pain maybe it wasn't safe maybe you know there was there was there was abuse maybe there was mental illness so so we we've learned growing up all these different strategies and techniques to ultimately function and survive and so we have learned to disconnect from our feeling capacity to function 
and survive. And so many of the ways we've learned to not feel, many of the ways we've learned to suppress, many of the ways we've learned to shut down our feelings, numb our hearts, were because it was too intense, it was too painful, it was too much. And so it's survival. Mm-hmm. See, underlying, even, you know, this, this guy you said you dated who just didn't cry or, 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 you know, and shut a part of himself down, I say, look, underlying every behavior is also a positive intention. So even underlying this, this way of being of not feeling and numbing ourselves is also, there's a positive drive to keep us safe. There's a positive drive to, 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 to ultimately survive. And so we have to acknowledge that, that beautiful intention, you know, and, and, and be, I think, even more so loving and compassionate with, with where we're at. Mm, you have so much wisdom, and I'm curious about what you said earlier about attracting people into your life, whether it's romantically or friends. You were saying that we attract people to grow, and I would love to just learn a little bit more about how you approach that in your mind and how people could kind of conceptualize that, because I know some people who are tuning in, you know, maybe this is their first crack at understanding, you know, spiritual growth or just, you know, actual personal development if they're not a spiritual person. Um, mm. What is your thought process on how to what you're attracting and how you're vibrating? Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would say relate. You're asking some 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 heavy duty questions. Hey, and I, hey relationships hey. are only as good as your questions, yo. <laughs> I'm like, who's coming on? I'm gonna bring out the yeah. gun. <laughs> uh, look, the relationship is a mirror. And I think I, I always say my thought process is, you know, life is a mirror. Relationship is a mirror. Yeah, explain that. Li- I would love life is relationship, I think. So I would say the partner that you attract to you is a mirror manifestation of yourself. And you attract to you partners. And when I say partners, we're talking about romantic, but we're also talking about people in your life. Uh, so the partner you attract to you, you attract to your partner that really reflects you aspects of yourself that you most need to heal, love, integrate, and make peace with. And so I always ask people, you know, uh, if you look at those people in your life that you're attracting, what do you see? Mm-hmm. What does it reflect to you about yourself? Some some people might say, well, could I, I'm always attracting people that don't commit to me. I'm always attracting people that cheat. I'm always attracting the people that, you know, aren't available. I'm always attracting men or women that, you know, are abusive. I'm always attracting. So look at who you're attracting. The look pattern. At the, pattern mm-hmm. the patterns of the people that are constantly or, or seem to be manifesting in, in your life. I'm always attracting people that are coming out of a relationship. I'm always attracting people that tend to be victim. Look at the patterns and ask yourself, what are the people, or what, are the, what is the partner or the people that, that you're attracting reflecting to you about yourself? What are they reflecting to you about yourself? Do, and, and do you like what you see? And if you don't like what you see, what does that show you about yourself? Uh, so, so when you take responsibility for, for your part, when you take responsibility for the mirror, when you take responsibility for what's showing up, you begin to set yourself free. And I think this is, this is a key part of relationship, you know, is realizing the mirror. And, and, and so when we're born, like as children, every single thing that ever happens to us, every memory, every story, every word, every phrase, every color, every sound, everything your parents said about men, life, sex, relationship, everything, you know, every smell, everything is stored in your nervous system. That nervous system is like the antenna to the world, you know, so information comes in, information comes in, you filter it, you see it, you smell it, it comes in, and then it gets, it gets filtered through your nervous system. And so depending on, the, let's say, the state of your nervous system, if there's a bunch of junk or stuff in your nervous system that's unprocessed, unfiltered, baggage, pain, hurt from the past, information is going to come in and you, or a person will show up in your life and you will interpret that. Uh, you will interpret and discern and see that person and, and interpret that person based on the actual conditioning of your nervous system. So many times uh, you are, we aren't actually seeing reality clearly. We aren't actually seeing clearly. We're seeing based on the current level of conditioning of our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what I found is, you know, many times, you know, you might be out somewhere and you might feel someone or meet someone or meet someone in a, that's a romantic relationship partner or even a friendship. And you might, you know, maybe you've had this experience as you're listening and you, you meet someone and you go, wow, I feel, I feel a connection with this person, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might say, wow, I feel, you know, maybe actually you've had this experience. I feel like I know this person. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I feel like, they're my soulmate. I feel like there's so much chemistry. I feel like, oh my God. You're making us sound crazy, but it's so you know, real. You're the one. And, and you feel like there's so much chemistry. And I actually say, it's not really 
like necessarily chemistry. It's sometimes shit histories. Like your shit, shit it matches their shit, oh, no. and, and and it pulls you together when you feel this pull. Because maybe growing up, you know, let, let's just give it. I'm just oh, going to no. give random examples. I'm still stuck so maybe, on the shit history, Coop. Come on, that's so maybe, true. Maybe growing up as a child, let's say you, you let's say I'm just going to make this up, but maybe your dad or your mother, one of one of your parents, were just you know they were really aloof or they were really mean or or they were let's just say they were abusive, and so wired in your nervous system is this pattern of love and abuse love is painful love is abusive and that gets wired in a certain shape in your nervous system and that's how you learn to feel love and then you meet this person across the room at, 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 a, at a party and you feel attracted to them and, and the more you get to know them you start relating to them they feel so familiar and all of a sudden they turn out to be a little bit you know aloof and abusive and and, and somehow you feel this familiarity because of what was wired in your nervous system growing up and their nervous system, what was wired with love and what and who they are kind of matches and that's the shit history element. And so there's a connection there based on sometimes wounding, based on the conditioning of your nervous system. So we have to be uh, we have to be aware, you know, we have to be really conscious yes. and aware. Especially when we feel that sometimes when we feel that overwhelming pull, you know, when you feel someone, you meet someone, you feel this overwhelming chemistry, this overwhelming pull. Yeah. I always say those are moments to just take a deep breath, yes. slow things down, and feel. Because in those moments, we stop feeling. In those moments, we actually go into a trance, we go unconscious, and then boom, the, 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 the energetic, the emotional, and the nervous system resonance pulls you with that person, only to realize afterwards that, wow, this is exactly how my father was or this is exactly yes. how it was growing up for me with my primary caretaker and unconsciously we are sometimes recreating uh, uh, experiences from our childhood as unconscious ways to to actually face them and deal with them and yes. so uh, and, and, and so ask yourself if you're attracting someone in your life what does this person reflect you about yourself and and own it and take mm -hmm. full responsibility for it I mean we could talk days on it but that's, yes. that's my you know, what you're really saying, and I think I've heard, you know, I've, I've kind of studied something along these lines is the concept that sometimes the stronger the attraction, the bigger the wound, right? And yes. it's like, oh, wow, this person feels like home. It's like, yeah, girl, home wasn't a good place for you. Exactly. It's and, <laughs> yes. Um, and I've, I've done seminars before where I've hosted a weekend with a bunch of women. And what I what we referred to this is is nest energy that people feel like the energy from your nest and you're attracted to that because it's familiar, because it feels like home, even if home wasn't so great. Yes. Um, wow. And Coot, you have so much to say. And I mean, I, this is why everybody who's listening, you've got to get his book. You are the one. And we'll put mm. it in the show notes and anything else. But also, I just want to ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Because you're just full <laughs> of all the gems. And I just figured, let's just really make this hard for you. Yeah. The best piece of advice, I, you know, I, I honestly, I'll be honest. It is if I were to say, actually, this is the best piece of advice. I'd be totally BSing you because the best piece of advice I've gotten has been relative and dependent on where I've been in my life and what I've needed at that particular moment. So it's changed. It's really changed. But if I were to give some advice to those listening, uh, it's kind of you know, relative to what I've said because there's so many different things I could say. Love yourself, respect. You. I mean, there's so many different things I could say. But one thing I would say is simply remember this. Life is short. The bottom line, we will all die. Mm -hmm. This is my advice for those listening in as we maybe kind of begin wrapping up. It's like, look, folks, life is short. We will all die. None of us escape this thing called death, and none of us know when that moment is going to come. So most of the things that you're worrying about, most of the things that you deem important, most of the things that you, you're, you're, you're stressing about, freaking yourself out about, most of those things in that moment of death when life is about to expire, you will not care about. You won't care about. So if I were to say something, keep death close, not as a morbid thing, because the question is not, are you going to die? It's, are you going to live fully? Are you going to be so fully lived that when that moment comes, you will have zero, zero, zero regrets? And so mm -hmm. keep death close. Make death your friend. Make death your lover. Feel death each moment and let that inspire you to move through procrastination. If there's a book you want to write, if there's love you want to make, if there's someone you want to marry, if there's babies you want to make, if there's, if there's a business you want to launch, it's like, you know what? Do it now do it this moment because mm -hmm. you never know like we have one opportunity 
in this precious, crazy, wild experience called life. We have one opportunity, and I believe it's a privilege. It's a celebration. We've won the lottery to be here. So let's do this, you know. And mm. so feel death each moment. If I would say something, feel death. Remember that moment. Realize the, the fragility, the delicateness, the preciousness of every single second of your life. This moment is the only guarantee. God, what a download. And I guess one of my final questions, final-ish questions, is what is, and I always ask this because Jay Abraham taught me to ask it, is what is a question that I should be asking you that I haven't asked you? <laughs> <laughs> what is a, well, that, that, that just threw my mind for a loop. What is a question that you should be asking me uh, that you, sh I, I, you know, I, wow. I mean, honestly, seriously, you've asked so many great questions Thank from you, different, different, honestly, different angles. Has trying to represent like one, the people. It has like, just been, yeah. been once we've gone down the relationship track and we've gone down Job. purpose. I mean, yeah. we've gone down so many different tracks. I mean, yeah. honestly, I don't know. I, I, I'm seriously, I, I really don't know because you've asked. You've asked some really, really great questions. Good. Well, I guess the then I one that I'll ask you is, since you know, I'm just not going to leave any stone unturned, is how can someone get more connected to purpose as they're here, as we know that we're dying, as we know that our time here is so short? What can somebody do in their life today to move closer to what they're really feeling connected to and here for? Mm. So first and foremost, I would say feel your death. Because when you feel your death, it gets things pretty clear. When you feel your death, you stop chasing untruths. You stop chasing meaningless activities. You stop going down purposes that aren't really your purposes or trying to live or please anyone else. You get pretty clear that it's your life. You have one life. So feel your death because that will start getting you clear on your purpose because many times it's when, you know, people start reaching 40 and 50, you know, in that zone, 50-ish, and they start realizing, uh-oh, I'm not going to live forever. That people's purpose, they start getting pretty, they start getting much clearer on their purposes all of a sudden, you know, mm -hmm. because they realize their, their mortality, like I don't have forever. And so, uh, so that's the first thing, feel your death. The second thing is, um, in terms of purpose, uh, one thing I'll say, I think there's this, there's this, uh, I don't know if it's a myth or there's this thing spun in personal growth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some practical advice, but I just want to set a context first. Sometimes there's this, there's this thing uh, spun in personal growth that you have to know exactly what your purpose is. You need to know exactly what it is at all times. Have it neatly written on a poster board. I'm going to say that your purpose, your true soul's purpose is bigger than anything you can imagine with your mind and anything you can write down on a piece of paper. Let's get that first and clear. And ultimately, there's this myth that you have to know exactly what it is in order to, to, to be able to move forward. And I see many people trying to figure it out, sitting there. Now, trying to figure out their purpose and not really moving forward. So I'm going to spin it and say, you don't have to know what your purpose is in order to get to exactly where you need to be. But I would invite you to move, to move. Don't wait. Move in the direction of your love. Move in the direction of your soul's impulse. Many of you listening in, you don't know exactly what your purpose is, so don't wait. But you likely feel an impulse of your soul moving you in a direction. You're feeling mm -hmm. the impulse of your soul. It's, say, it's nudging you. Go here. Take the seminar. Go in this direction. Speak to these people. Go into that field. But your mind starts questioning, why? Me? Can I? Stop questioning and follow the impulse. Go in the direction of your soul's you know, nudging because your soul is nudging you in that direction for a reason trust it go in a direction and when you take a step <clears throat> life reveals the next step when you take another step life reveals the next step you take another step life reveals another step you take another and all of a sudden you life reveals each step by step as you are in the process of living life itself and many times you will find that you don't have to know your purpose up front your purpose is something that evolves and, and reveals itself in the process of living life itself and you end up living into your life's purpose and maybe five years from now, ten years from now, you realize, oh my God, I'm actually living my purpose and I didn't know that this was what it was going to look like. I had a sense of something, but I didn't know that this was the form of what it was going to look like. I look at the Oprah's of the world, she couldn't have imagined that she was going to be where she was. Whether, regardless of your political beliefs, Obama couldn't have imagined that he was going to be where he was, but they, they began. And one of the things I see is we don't begin because we're so busy trying to figure it all out. So key number one, 
go in the direction of what you love and allow life to reveal the next step to you and you will live into it and follow what you love go in the direction of what you love i see so many people they don't know what their purpose is but they go do you know what their parents expect them to do or they go do what they think is simply going to make the money go in the there look i'm not here actually selling you know a real estate car i'm not here selling cars i'm not here doing pharmaceuticals i mean i love personal growth i went in the direction of what i loved i couldn't have quite predicted it was going to be like this but life unfolded so what do you love what what what, what t lights you up what would you do for free now with that said second thing ask yourself what specific skills do you have you might say i love basketball but i'm three foot one well i would probably advise you not to go into the field of basketball <laughs> as a basketball player it's going to be tough. That doesn't yeah. mean you couldn't, you know, have a miracle. That doesn't mean you couldn't be an executive. That doesn't mean you couldn't be, you know, in the field some way, but likely not as a basketball player. So ask yourself, ground it. What specific skills do you have? And based on your level of experience, what skills do you have? And what experience do you have? That is also an important factor in, in kind of downloading and refining your purpose and the direction. Third thing is look at what problems are you uniquely able to solve? What problems are you uniquely able to solve? Many times we, we have a gift that is solving a particular problem, but we don't value that gift because it comes naturally to us. But I promise you, if you're listening to this, likely what comes easy to you doesn't come easy to someone else. And your ability to make money in the world is in direct proportion with your ability to add value. And when you add value, people pay you in proportion to the value you add. So don't focus on simply how can I make money as you, you define your purpose, but focus on hmm, what problems can I solve and how much value can I add? Focus on adding extreme amounts of value and where can I add extreme amounts of value? And if you're able to solve people's pain, problems or challenges, that's a good intersection. The lastly, in terms of consideration of purpose, feel into, take some time and feel into what group of people do I have an affinity to? What group of people do I connect with? Likely you have a connection. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's teenagers. Maybe it's single parents. Maybe it's the African-American community. Maybe it's the handicapped. Maybe it's the elderly. If you feel into who your soul resonates with, likely you resonate with them for a reason. You have a soul connection with that group of people for a reason. And that might point you in the direction of which group of people you have been put on this planet to serve. And I think if you sit with all of those kind of four factors – that will at least move you in the direction. Don't wait, take action, go in the direction. Because sometimes we think we have to have this big purpose, actually this big thing, like, you know, save all the whales on the planet and feed all the children. When in fact, we just need to begin. Mm -hmm. And sometimes all it takes is living your love, living your purpose with the person next door, with mm -hmm. your family member, with the person in the grocery store. We all have the capacity to make a difference and live our purpose one by one by one so i would say wherever you are start now mm. start where you are with what you have exactly as you are and life will then give you more Coot, mm, do you know what the pulse of my soul is telling me that i need to do what's that it's telling me that i need to go to an edm music festival with you yeah <laughs> Oh, my God. What an amazing interview. I'm going to have to tell my team. They're going to have to pull out their pen and take some notes so we get some good show notes here. And thank you awesome. so much for being here. Where can people find you? I know that you've got awesome. a ton of followers on Instagram. You've got retreats. Yeah. Where can people find you? A couple of ways, obviously. Uh, social media. I'd love to hear from everyone. Just let me know. You heard me on the, well, on the podcast with Ashley. Uh, Instagram, Coop Blackson. Facebook, Coop Blackson. Send me a message there. Uh, my website, www.coopblackson.com. Coop with a K. Uh, yep, Coop with a K, coopblackson.com, K-U-T-E, blackson.com. For those of you that maybe, you know, you feel a calling to go to the next level of your life, if you feel a sense that you have a big purpose and you're ready to unleash it and uh, remove whatever blocks have been stopping you from uh, moving forward and living your love and giving your gifts to the world twice a year, uh, in July and December, I do a, a very special retreat to Bali. It's called Boundless Bliss. You can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. We take about uh, 18 to 20 people on each journey, and it's spectacular. And so love to, to, to share that with anyone that feels an inkling or a calling. And lastly, uh, you know, hey, check out my book, You Are The One. You can go oh, to, to Am okay. Amazon or www.youarethewonebook.com. 
and uh, check it out there. You know, it's an inspiring book. It really is. Thank you so much for being here. This is the summary, everybody. Feel your death, howl at the moon, read the book, have a good cry, and remember God doesn't do refunds. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, everybody, this is your host, Ashley Stahl, and remember when the going gets rough, just twerk it out. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Coop Blackson, what a G. I don't even know how to start this post-episode conversation with you because he spoke so much truth that I am just sitting in all of it and hoping that although the conversation went really deep and we spoke really quickly that you were able to take some notes and use some of the key steps that he recommended for you to start to really feel And let's say you are someone that really feels, and you do feel your pain, but maybe you're trying to navigate through it, or maybe you're trying to learn how to speak more kindly to yourself. One thing I, I mean, and I talk to Coop quite often, but he, and he's really a genius at what he does, and he coaches true leaders all over the world, leaders of countries, you name it, Um, he's their mentor. And what I've gotten out of being friends with him is that he's learned how to speak very kindly to himself. And I've learned how to do the same. I have to, I I would even venture to say that it's, it's quite rare for me to notice that I'm speaking in an, in a not so nice way to myself. Um, in fact, the norm for me is speaking kindly to myself to a point where if I'm not saying nice things in my head, I'm kind of like, what? Who's this invader talking to me? And so I wanted to offer you some, tools after this episode to start to really learn how to speak more kindly to yourself because I think he really propped us up in being able to notice where there's pain in your life and obviously the first step to that just taking a look at your life and noticing is there a shit storm somewhere and if there is are you avoiding pain as it relates to that most likely you are because there's a lesson in all of it and You know, he's an incredibly positive person, and I think in personal development, it's so important to be able to look at everything you go through and grow through it um, versus just go through it. And part of that means speaking kindly to yourself. So I think the first thing to pay attention to is your body and noticing when you're feeling some level of peace being disturbed inside of you and letting that be an indicator that there's some sort of disruption. And being connected to your body is really, really key, and it's something that a lot of people disconnect from. And so the first step, like Coop talked about, or one of the many steps, is to create spaciousness just to be. Um, You could do that through taking a walk once a week and just starting to feel into how does your body feel do you feel tenseness and the next step is to give it a voice allow whatever part of you that's feeling disconnected or whatever part of you feeling disrupted to have a voice and to give you feedback on you know what it how it sees the world so all of us have different aspects of ourselves at play at any given time one aspect that I worked with for a lot of my 20s until probably I was 27 28 years old was anxiety I had anxiety growing up, and one of the most powerful things I learned how to do was to give it a voice and to allow it to say whatever it needed to say to me. Um, So as you're taking your walk, kind of check in with yourself. What aspects of you are present? Is there anger? Is there anxiety? Is there stress? Is there sadness? Is there worry? And give it a voice. Did I just sound like I had a New York accent? Is there worry? (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, give it a voice. Allow it to speak. Um, really allow yourself to say, okay, worry, or okay, stress, or okay, anxiety, what do you have to say? And just get quiet for a moment, whether you're sitting in your home or whether you're outside, and allow it, the voice, to come through in your mind. And I know, you know, we're all just one strike away from looking a little bit insane um, listening to these voices in our head, but they're there, so we might as well listen to them. And give it an opportunity to speak and look for why it's speaking in that way. And what I mean is anxiety might say to you, I need to get this done. I need to get that done. I can't get it all done. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And when you really look under it, 
usually there's a pattern that's running inside of you and there's a positive payoff, a lot like what Coot and I talked about, where there's something positive that's keeping this pattern alive. So maybe for me, a lot of years, my anxiety kept me in motion. So even though it wasn't that fun, it would activate me. Um, in the same way, maybe you're looking to lose weight. You look in the mirror and you hear a really mean voice in your head that says, you're fat. It activates you to go to the gym. It's negative motivation, but it's motivation nonetheless. So you want to kind of look at why am I keeping this pattern in place? And you don't want to get too in your head. You want to stay in your heart, but just really ask your heart, what is this about? How has this been serving me to be in this pattern? And once you see how it's been helping you, you can then start to question it and start to speak more kindly to yourself. But the most important thing to do is to make friends with these aspects of yourself, not push them away. Because then it becomes like ping pong where, you know, because what you will resist gets louder and you don't need to make it louder. Uh, make friends with it. Ask it what it needs from you. Just like a little kid that's having a tantrum, ask this part of you, how can I, how can I be of service to you? What do you need today? Um, if your anxiety is telling you that it's worried about something, how can I support you? How can I be there for you? Slow your mind down. Slow your body down and really be with yourself. Uh, and is, that is the first step to building a deeper relationship with yourself, being more connected to yourself because these aspects are so alive in you and there's so many different pieces of you that are coming to play and creating disruption to your peace and creating disconnect. And the more you can connect to these aspects of you that other people might think are ugly or scary or less desirable, the more you can build that bridge between your day-to-day -day life and this part of you that is just dying to be seen, the closer you can move into building a more connected relationship with yourself and then the people around you. Uh, I've found that I speak so kindly to myself when I'm in pain if I feel sadness. A lot of this conversation in my head sounds like this. It sounds like, okay, sadness, it's okay that you're here. You're welcome here. What do you need from me? And almost always, if I get quiet, I hear an answer. Maybe the sadness will say, I need a few days to just be with this. I need to cry. I need to take tomorrow off. I need um, to go get my nails done. I mean, just the littlest things you never know. You know, picture me showing up at the nail salon. My sadness told me to come here. But seriously, it is kind of like that. So um, notice where you're in avoidance and know that if you are turning to drugs, alcohol, sex, Spending tons of money, food is a huge one. God knows I've been caught at Sprinkles Cupcakes one too many times, um, especially when they used to have the secret word of the day for a free cupcake. I was on social media finding the secret word and inhaling one too many cupcakes. Pay attention to what you're doing to numb out because at the end of the day, you're pushing something down, but it's still there versus really meeting it and looking at these parts of you. So, I could talk forever. Coot Blackson just opens up so much in me. Um, we are really dear friends, and I love him, and I'm so grateful to have shared him with you. Uh, and as you know, you can find us at gettotwork.com for that free course or for any sort of show notes that you're desiring about his amazing book. Thank you so much for being here, and I can't wait to connect with you next week. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode.